It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Next is now. Looking at what's next as it relates to Afghanistan. U.S. troops continue to pull out of Afghanistan. The Taliban's continuing to capture dozens of towns in the region. New intelligence tells us that the Afghan government uh, is tenuous at best, and uh, the next six months will be very telling. And so, of course, for a lot of those who have been helpful to the United States, uh, contractors, interpreters, guides uh, are all worried uh, for a host of different reasons. Uh, In his latest piece for the Deseret News, Samuel Benson uh, talks about uh, a contractor facing death threats from Taliban members. He joins us now to discuss. Samuel, thanks for jumping on the line with us today. Of course, Boyd. Thank you for having me. So give us a little bit of the backstory of this uh, contractor, uh, again, in Taliban, uh, excuse me, threatened by the Taliban in Afghanistan after having been uh, helpful to the United States forces there. Yeah, so I first came in contact with Hashmat, who lives in Afghanistan, in Kabul, um, through the National Immigration Forum. He had reached out to them looking for assistance. Ever since 2009, he's worked for the U.S. military. He owns um, a company that, that sells ATVs and other non-tactical vehicles to the military at an Air Force or a military base there in Afghanistan. And he was under the impression that for so doing, they would help him. They would offer him protection while they were there. And at some future day, when the military pulled out, he'd be eligible for what's called a special interest visa or an SIV, which is given to folks like Hashmat or other translators, interpreters, spies, contractors, people who have helped the military. And, and the reasoning is very simple. Um, if anyone in Afghanistan aids the Americans, um, they're, they're labeled as traitors. They're labeled as uh, um, the enemy as well. And so Hashmat wakes up every morning to death threats from the Taliban, saying that they will kill him, saying that he's a puppet of the U.S. Army. They've left him. They've abandoned him. Um, so he and, and thousands of others, around 17,000 others in the backlog, are just waiting and praying for, for help. Um, and that's what we're hoping that the United States will give them soon. Okay, uh, I'm going to have you listen to just a little bit of sound and react to this. Uh, this was on uh, Friday's press conference. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, was posed this question about uh, these really heroic uh, Afghanis who have been so helpful uh, during this incredible period, uh, coming up on 20 years now. And uh, this is what Jen Psaki had to say. Uh, we have identified a group of SIV applicants, special immigrant visa applicants, uh, who have served as interpreters and translators, as well as other at-risk categories who have assisted us. Uh, they will be relocated to a location outside of Afghanistan before we complete our military drawdown by September uh, in order to complete the visa application process. So they will do it from another location. Uh, so respond to that, Sam, in, in terms of your interaction and what the conversations you've been having do people feel like this really is underway, or is the uh, administration saying, well, we're hoping it's all underway? Well, the news that broke on Thursday actually came from the New York Times, um, from an unidentified source within the Biden administration, uh, that, yes, the administration will evacuate these um, these African interpreters and African allies. Um, they'll be taken to a third country, to another country, and their visas will be processed. 
But the when and the how and the where is still so unknown. We don't know where they're going to go. We don't know when this is going to happen. Um, and time is ticking. I sent that New York Times report to Hashemat. We, we communicate via WhatsApp. Um, he responded to me that this is somewhat hopeful news, somewhat hopeful. But then he said so much is still unknown. For someone in his situation, it's good that the U.S. is finally starting to act on the promise, but the details are still up in the air, and he's really unaware of, of what the next steps will be. I must add, though, that for there, there's around 17,000 individuals who are eligible for a special interest visa. There's two different categories. But when you take into account their families, so their, their, their spouses and their children, um, the number is around 70,000. So we're talking a massive vaccination of around 70,000 Afghans who will need to go to another country. They said it won't be the U.S., so they have to find space for them there and then process their visas, which as of now takes around nine months, but can take up to 900 days. So we're talking several years. Wow. So this is not a quick or easy fix. This could take a long, long time. And these lives are in limbo, limbo quite literally. Yeah. And uh, so as you look at that, if you're just joining us, we've got uh, Samuel Benson on the line. Uh, great piece at Deseret.com dealing with, again, these interpreters, these guides, these contractors who have been so important to the U.S. military uh, during the the last 20 years, uh, during uh, what, what's been happening there. And uh, Samuel, as you as you look at that, uh, and you, the numbers you've just rolled out are just uh, staggering to me in terms of the number of people, and then of course the the time frame. Uh, what else did you learn, and what else have you gleaned in your in your reporting and research on this uh, that should give some of these contractors and interpreters uh, maybe a little more hope or a little more worry uh, as they they deal with really a, a, a ticking clock for sure. Yeah, starting with hope, um, there's there's bipartisan support for a solution here. There, there are two or three bills in both the House and the Senate um, to speed up this visa application process. One group of senators proposes changes to the to the process that would increase the the limit or the, excuse me the the ceiling for the number of visas that, that the U.S. can give. Another introduces new measures so that it's a rigorous process, 14 steps, a background check for these visas. And they'd cut that down. So some of the medical examinations and other things could happen after they've been admitted to the U.S. That way we can get them out as soon as possible. So that's all great. And to know that there's a bipartisan group, there's people on both sides of the aisle that support us solution here could give anyone hope. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you were just talking about infrastructure and other things that it's like pulling teeth to get bipartisan support for some of these things. So that's, that's, that's a good thing. On the more tenuous side, the more difficult side is that the Taliban is on the move. Um, you, you were talking about that, that they're having increased support. There was one report by the intelligence community that said within six months of the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan, the Taliban could regain control over the country, over the government, which is a terrifying thought when we think about all of the resources and the effort that we put into the 20-year war in Afghanistan. But then we think of these individuals who are stuck in this visa backlog. If they don't get out within months, um, it could be literally signing their death warrant. Uh, which is a very difficult thing, and that was blood on our hands as a society, as a country, and as a government. Yeah, so important. Uh, great reporting, great writing, uh, as always, from Samuel Benson uh, from Deseret.com. Sam, thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thank you, Boyd. Uh, so many things to, to process there. I, it's so vital, I think, uh, for us as a nation. Those who, who help us uh, at great personal risk uh, deserve our attention. They deserve our support. And this is one of those that's so, it's one of those things you just don't think about until suddenly you're withdrawing and, and you have these people who have provided critical services that have made a difference 
for our country and for our troops in particular, uh, to suddenly have those kinds of folks uh, wondering about their future and if they're safe, if their family is safe, and what comes next, especially with the swiftness with which the Taliban is marching through the country. And, uh, of course, it's recaptured dozens of, of towns in the region. And uh, there is genuine fears. Uh, Samuel mentioned uh, the report that said the Afghan government uh, may not survive six months uh, with the current pace. And so to make sure that we're looking after those Afghan uh, contractors, interpreters, translators, uh, I want to go uh, real quickly uh, to a, just a, a summary report, just to kind of bring things full circle uh, on this subject from Karen Travers from ABC. Uh, she talks about uh, President Biden, what he's promised to do to help these Afghan interpreters, contractors and guides. With the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan underway, there are increasing fears about a Taliban resurgence and what that means for Afghans who worked as interpreters for U.S. forces over the past 20 years. President Biden Thursday vowed to help those Afghans if they want to leave their country. We've already begun the process. Those who help us are not going to be left behind. The president did not say which country the interpreters and translators will be brought to initially, but did say they're welcome to come to the U.S. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. All right, again, uh, so critical. Uh, we got to get this one right. Uh, this is important for our country to do right. Again, those that uh, have been so helpful uh, to our troops in Afghanistan, again, those interpreters, those guys, those contractors, uh, all that they've done, uh, we need to make sure we have a path for them and for their families to make sure that they are safe and that they have opportunities uh, for a future and for a good future, not one uh, under the Taliban or under that kind of persecution uh, that they will surely face uh, as people who have helped the United States of America. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we'll talk fireworks, rockets, and uh, possible big political explosions coming up next on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 